Hi everybody, this is Crypto Rich, working with you to get rich with crypto, filling our pockets with crypto profits. And in this video, I'm very, very happy to have Tina Fotherby. Tina Fotherby is the CEO or Managing Director of FamousPublicity.com. They are a public relations agency and they do a lot of work with ICOs. They have worked in the past with Etch and with Pillar Project. And um, I just thought it'd be great to find out like the what goes on in the background, what's we don't necessarily get to see about the world of ICOs. And I'm sure Tina has some very interesting insights about ICOs. Tina, thank you so much for making yourself available. Thank um, you. You're absolutely welcome. And I, I came to your office, when was it, a few months ago. And it was just so we can get related and get to know each other. And it was really, really great. And I thought, okay, let's do let's do an interview. And I'm glad you've made yourself available for this. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure. Yeah. Do you want to say a little bit about... Um, actually, do you know what I just noticed? This is... Um, it's rare that I get to talk to somebody with such a clean English accent as yours. Because <laughs> mostly I'm interviewing Americans or, or <laughs> Europeans or lately Indians, right? It's like, oh my God, I'm talking to another Briton. So, if, so hopefully this will be uh, easy for people to understand from all over the world. Absolutely. <laughs> all right. So Tina, yeah. do you just want to say a little bit about yourself and a little bit about famous publicity, the background? Okay, thanks very much, Rich. So... Um I run a PR company um, in a place called Red Hill, which is halfway between London and Brighton. Um, I worked in central London for over 30 years and a few years ago decided to set up nearer to home to get some better work-life balance. I've got three offices at an amazing place called Red Hill Aerodrome and today's a sunny day and it's a happy day for the pilots because they can fly. Yes. And, um, anyway, just to say there's a nice buzz about the place and... Um, in terms of me, um, I, my background is classical PR and marketing. Um, I've worked on a whole range of household brands, um, food brands, everything from McBitty's Biscuits to Muller Yogurt, um, all kinds of trade associations. And long story short is I've got quite a good classical marketing background. Mm -hmm. And um, I think, if I'm totally fair, the highlight of my career... Um, well, the highlight of my career is obviously yet to come. Speaking to you, Rich, this is the highlight of my career. <laughs> this is the highlight. You've made it to the big I time. Did. So, <laughs> is, I'm very happy. Me too. Um, Speaking to you. <laughs> and, and jokes apart, I should say that um, I'm a great believer at lifelong learning. I really believe that, that work is for the learning. It's all the learning. And um, just to say on paper, um, I had the pleasure of working with a guy called Theopathetus who... At the time, was on Dragon's Den. Mm -hmm. He is um, one of the UK's best-known retailers. Um, he is the man behind the Ryman brand, Robert Dyess, and Blue Avenue, which is a lingerie firm. And um, it was one of these interesting things because I'd always worked in consultancies, whether they're my own or other people's consultancies. And then I had the job of working in-house. And I made that terrible mistake that most of us make is that thinking, oh, yes, it must be much easier to work in house. Well, the truth is it was fantastic, but my God, it's hard work. It was really, really exciting. Yes. And um, it, was, um, it was an amazing experience. And um, what, was, what was particularly interesting there, apart from obviously the media um, profile that um, Theo enjoyed, was that... Um, it helped me understand this thing about business models mm -hmm. because 
I would be lucky enough to sometimes sit in meetings with Theo when he was talking to people who were looking for investment. And what I realised was that there are certain things that super high achievers really excel in. You know, those people who've really, really made it in mm -hmm. business. And one of those things is they really understand businesses, mm -hmm. the model of businesses and where the profit is going to come from. And so that was a fantastic insight for me. The other thing, which is just an aside, which is something I feel quite passionate about, is you will also find that the very super high achieving people are brilliant when it comes to logistics. Right. It's just, I say that, um, it's because it might not seem absolutely obvious to start off with, but um, I can tell you now that um, I've seen it in other clients. I've had the privilege of working for some very, very successful people who've, um, who are inventors, who've who've made um, a great success of their career and um, what is interesting is they have these common traits. I should say as well, most of them are also have very, very high standards right. and, you know, they, they really are um, high achievers because their standards are very different to the ordinary person. So anyway, I, I had that fantastic insight and um, I'm thrilled and delighted to say that I'm still working with Theo and his team with Rob Dias and also um, Ryman Stationery where I work. So that's fantastic. Um, but just to say that's, that to me is, was just an amazing experience. Um, needless to say, I was treated like a VIP for four years, but I knew it was because I was with Theo. <laughs> I knew that it wasn't because of me. <laughs> it's quite Fabulous. funny. You know, like all these things, um, you have to get back to reality. And, uh, and uh, I'm, I'm pleased to say I've seen that side of business and um, the guy is absolutely phenomenal. He's, he's, um, his levels of energy were just incredible and I have the utmost respect for him. And um, just to say that that to me gave me um, the privileged insight into really understanding the side of business that a lot of people don't discuss and that's business models. Mm -hmm. And I say I'm an expert on business models, but... I do know if somebody can't see the business model, and if they can't see where the profit's going to come, then it's very difficult for them to believe in it. So that was uh, that's a little bit about me. <laughs> okay. And then and now you've set up Famous Publicity. How long has that been going? Um, we've been a limited company for four years, um, and we've now got, um, there's myself plus eight others, and um, the teams um, we cover... We basically, the work split into two areas. One is what I call um, classical clients. So we have inventors, designers, um, and household names. Mm -hmm. And then the other side is the crypto side of things, or should I say the ICO side. Now, like all good careers, mine really is has a, um, there is an accidental role in this, in that I came across ICOs fairly accidentally and came across blockchain fairly accidentally. Um, so I weirdly actually was introduced to David Siegel via Twitter because he had sent a tweet asking somebody knew somebody in PR who was interested might be interested in blockchain right. and, and I responded and that was probably about a year and a half ago um, anyway ultimately it led on to um, discussions and this time last year was fantastically life-changing because it was really the start of um, what is now the Pillar Project, 
Mm-hmm. Um, when I say the start, I mean, um, I was party to a small team of people that became bigger um, by the week, um, but a small team who were you know, the project team for that project. And it was one of the most fascinating experiences um, to see everything come together. And um, our role was supporting David and the 2030 directors in announcing the Pillar Project to the world. So that was fantastically exciting. Yes, and just so, so you, did, you did the PR for Famous Publis for, for Pillar Project. Yes, and I should say that um, in terms of the marketing side, um, there was a huge amount of marketing um, marketing support behind it yeah. from sources. So our area was largely the um, what we call the digital mainstream PR, so getting into the crypto titles, getting into the fintech titles, um, getting into Wired magazine, which was you know very very important. Um, they have their in-house people. There's Jack who works on the social media side, who's brilliant. We were the people driving the media relations activity. And so um, that was fantastically interesting. The nature of it is that if you can, if you can, the great thing about working on ICOs is if you can be working as a project team, that's brilliant mm. because you can learn so much. And I feel very strongly that um, the more you understand the project in its totality, the better you can be at communicating it. Okay, okay. But why shouldn't ICO use a PR agency? I mean, I get I get approached by ICOs. Some of them go to ICO agencies, which are a little bit different. Yeah. Some of them do their own work, you know, by contacting YouTubers and you know writing their own, getting people to write medium articles. What's the benefit of using a nice a PR agency? Yeah, um, a good point. I would say. Um, the first thing is it takes away the emotion that sometimes occurs if you're trying to pitch yourself to a journalist. So, for example, um, if you pitch yourself to somebody mm. and they say, it's not interested, goodbye, this is dull, then you can feel mortified. If an agency is doing that, you don't experience that negative energy. Right. Um, the, the funny thing here is that um, it is much, much easier to get your message out if you are not the person trying to sell yourself. Yes. Any, it's a very... Now, there are exceptions to that, but I think most feeling people um, and most artistic and creative people struggle when it comes to pushing themselves across. Sure. I really, really identify with this. Um, and it's it, a lot of it's cultural. However, if you've got somebody else putting the messages out on your behalf, then you're not, you know, you're dealing with it in a very positive way. The other thing is simply speed and time, because I liken being on an ICO to being a bit like being on an expedition. Mm-hmm. For my sins, I've done a lot of expedition PR. When I say sins, the reason why it's sinful is because it's so high risk. Right. You know, I've worked on things where I'm glad to say that um, everything turned out right in the end, but there were some very, very hairy, hairy moments. And ICOs are similar in the sense that it's a journey. Mm-hmm. You need a whole load of energy, and you need to be very, very well prepared because once you start, once you start that ICO and the, 
the top clock is ticking, you can't go back and you've really got to have your wits about you. So in terms of headspace, it's good if you've got trusted people around you who can take on roles that you might be able to do, mm -hmm. but are better dealt with by other people. Um, and you're right, there are quite a few specialist ICA firms out there. And what we've discovered is that um, in terms of, say, listings for ICO sites, that's of crucial importance. We've, we understand all that's involved there. Um, we're working with the legendary um, bounty guy, Cylon, mm -hmm. who I think is very, very interesting, very professional, and very good to work with. So we're getting to know these people, and how we work is, yes, we charge a fee for our work and time, but we don't make any markup on the services we buy in which I think is why we have a good relationship with people, mm -hmm. because we can talk openly about the price of things with any suppliers. Right. I think that's really, really important, because basically the agency business model, now this is the interesting bit, most agencies, the business model is you earn your fees and you make a profit on your disbursements that you buy in. Right. So, and there are some agencies that can buy in, you know, design for 100 quid and sell it for 1,000, and the client doesn't know. Um, so we don't do that. We obviously earn our fee and then we have a very simple relationship with our suppliers and that works well. And it really means we can always do for the client what is best because the danger is that when things get hidden from the client, the client's often confused and doesn't understand what's going on. Mm. So with our Cylon activity, he has a contract with the client directly. We know about it. It's all good. And the great thing is that we can talk about the financial side without, you know, this clearness with as much clarity as possible. Right, so there's nothing hidden. It's not like you're the go-between between, between exactly. the ICO right. and, say, it's, Cylon. Exactly. So I, I'm completely of the belief. The weirdest thing is that in the era of cryptocurrencies and decentralization, that you've still got a lot of stuff going on that's hidden. And actually, you know, people... People are becoming more and more keen on transparency, yes. and that is the way to go. So our business model works because we work, we earn our money for the fee for our time. It's still time orientated, but our time spent on the project. Okay. And um, just to say, it's I think it's definitely the best way to go because then we want a good deal for whoever's um, whoever we're working with, and we you know we have set up YouTube interviews, etc. Where I struggle is where those deals are done and then the clients, you know, sometimes it's in the, if, if, that's, if it's not transparent, it's in the agency's interest to keep the pricing low because right. then they make up as much as they can. That's really not what it's about. It's about just doing a good job. Yeah. Okay. And now, do, are you worth your money? <laughs> um, that's a really good question. It is a good um, question. That's what I want to know, right? Really I'm going to tokenize myself, right? I want you to do <laughs> PR for me. Yeah. Am I going to get my money's worth? Yes. Well, I do not have imposter syndrome. <laughs> Let's just say that. I'm lucky enough not to have imposter syndrome. Um, but I think all of us have to say, hand on heart, you're probably as good as the last ICA you worked on. Right. And what, what do I mean by that? It means... so. If you're in the business of reputation, then you have to be very careful who you work with. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that's one of the reasons why um, 
certainly in the ICO space, you know, you, you have to feel confident you're, you're working with these people. Now, have you earned your money? I think um, one of the things that's good is um, I've always loved fundraising. Mm-hmm. I have to say, as a kid, I did charity fundraising. I was always very, very keen on getting cash in. I just used to find it fascinating. So, um, yeah, I've always been one for gathering together funds. And I can even remember, you know, as a kid, going to an Oxfam shop and literally had a huge tub of pennies for... It was actually the Turkey earthquake, which tells you how long ago that was. But, you know, it's something that touched me and I was really, really interested in it. So the good thing the good thing is if you're helping clients with their revenue mm-hmm. and you're helping bring cash in, then my view in is that you ought to be well paid for it. Now, why? Um, of course, we know everyone should be well paid for everything they do, but there is less reason for people to argue the case of small budgets when it comes to fundraising. Right. So to give you an example, um, I love, you know, what nurses and firemen do is fantastic. Obviously, they should be paid more. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you look at it, um, the difficulty is that um, these are you know, public service positions and there's only so much the public purse has. Um, the roles are crucially important to society and positive thing is a lot of people working in those environments actually have huge job satisfaction mm-hmm. amazing job satisfaction and are loved and revered by society um, in PR we are not loved and revered we're mocked yes. <laughs> you know and, and, and that's fine I could never have been mocked um, but seriously when it comes to um, when it comes to um, revenue then actually if you're in the business of helping clients bring in revenue then obviously there are rewards that go with it. So what it, how, how it works for us is that we earn more from our SEO clients than we do from our regular clients. Mm-hmm. And that's fair enough because obviously it's judged by the success of the SEO and the revenues that come in. Okay. Well, look, something has occurred to me, right? Um, if I start off an ICO and I, I decide to do my own PR, I am starting from nothing. I have to reinvent the wheel. I have to make all the contacts, contact the, the trade publications and the YouTube influencers and the medium bloggers and the Steam It people. But you, meanwhile, this is what I think happens with you. You've covered it up. You've worked on your first ICO. You've made a set of contacts. You finish that project. You go on to the next ICO that you're working on. You make a new set of contacts and relationships, but you already have those old contacts and relationships from the previous ICO. So then you you finish that project, you now go into a third project, you've got the contacts and the relationships from the first two projects, plus you may get new ones, so you're developing a whole set of expertise. So if I were to tokenize myself and I say, okay, I'm going to devote part of my budget to paying for the services of famous publicity, then I'm buying into all those existing established relationships that you already have and buying into your expertise. Would that, would that be accurate? Yeah, I th- yes it is. Thank you very much. And um, one thing I'd also say is I'd also advocate that it's very important for the client to have interface and to have contact with journalists, but particularly so um, remembering the crowdfunding rule. 
but the whole process is a marketing process. And what's interesting is that if PR is done very well in the ICO stages, then once the funding's in place, that that entity is in a really good position to then sell their services because they've already got traction. So I'll give you an example. Um, We worked with... um, Eurosevens and the team on Etch, mm-hmm. and um, their primary targets were um, property area, and um, in addition, people who are involved in payroll, HR, etc. Truth is that we targeted the ICO community, and we also targeted those business and industry sectors, some of which were very slow to respond. Yeah, but they understood. Um, the blockchain message and the, and the message we were explaining is how blockchain is going to change payroll. Now, payroll is not perhaps the most exciting subject. However, it's extremely emotive and it's a very serious subject. Uh, yes. So what happened is that um, through the contacts that we had made and the media coverage that we generated for the client, as soon, to be fair, we pretty much made ourselves redundant. Mm. When the ICO was finished, the client had dozens of meetings lined up and the media coverage achieved, helped and assisted the client. And this is what, this is the interesting thing about PR. It's PR about selling. It's more about creating the best environment in which a sale can occur. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of selling is down to excitement and certainly if you're selling the service it's really down to the um, the client themselves to tell what they're about and their and their proposition. But what we're doing is we're creating apologies for the phone. We're creating the best environment in which um, this can happen. Yep. And um, and it's it's almost as though I think one of the reasons why um, PR gets such bad press is because so much of what we do is invisible, and actually it should be invisible because if we was to say if every PR was to say when a client um, had a great article, that wasn't the client, that was me or whatever, we did all that, you know, it takes away from the client. And obviously the client has to have faith in the PR person. Um, I have been in the industry for over three decades and the best thing about it is you're always learning. And this is the open learning view I have on ICOs. You can never, ever nail this, nail the territory. Mm-hmm. You can't have your, you know, your best judgment, but it's the learning side of it that I really, really like. And that that is the best thing about PR. You're learning constantly because for every change that occurs in the media is a learning. Um, the worst side of it is, you know, nonsense surrounding the glam and the hype and stuff like that. And the truth is, I've seen the glam and it's wonderful, but it's still really hard work. You have yes. to be professional. So um, just to say that the clients who are the best to work with are the really open-minded clients who admit that there is no such thing as an empirical ICO. There's no such thing. Nothing's ever going to always add up. Yeah. Because as soon as you think that, then you're complacent, which takes me back to this exploration analogy and I feel that it's a bit like climbing Everest okay so it's a massive thing it's going to change your life 
but you're never going to nail it. Even if you even if you manage to summit Everest without oxygen, even if you do that once, there's no way you've ever going to you, you've ever nailed it. No. If you tried it again, a different season, a different outcome could occur. And I think that that approach is good to have because you need to be open minded and know that that and and it's a bit, the ability to be open about it. I think is the way to have the best ICOs because you will have to be fleet on your foot. Yes, you've got a strategy and you know where you're going, but you also need to be very open to change. And um, for example, um, my openness is that PR is helpful for people running ICOs because obviously it creates the right scene, the right setting. And I think that good PR is beneficial post-ICO. Yes. It's, it's really good in terms of establishing them because it's an event and their fundraising in itself is newsworthy. Yes. However, I would also say that um, good social media, um, good community management, you know, I'm getting, rolling my sleeves up and getting stuck in, in community management on one of our clients. And that's really, really interesting because... I know that it's a very there's a good vibe in that room, mm-hmm. and I know that the spontaneous response is good because I've been in enough chat rooms to know it. But I haven't really I don't think I've been into a Telegram chat room until about a year ago, so didn't know what on earth it was. So again, it's all about being open and and just just being prepared to learn and go with the flow. That, is really that's really important. There's a few important points I want to pick out in what you said. So one is it's such a fast-moving space, so you've got to be willing to learn all the yeah. time, all the time, all the time. Yeah. Each ICO is different because each CEO is different yeah. and, the, and the team are different and it shapes the flavor of the ICO and how they manage it. And then, you know, they do, and they all, most of them do different things from each other. Uh, then then the, what you said about Etch, what you did with Etch was really terrible. I tell yeah. you what, it was really terrible. Euros is too busy. I, I reach out to him and say, Euros, how about another interview, right? <laughs> right? And he's, I, I they, they've since recruited a new CEO, another CEO. So they're really, I mean, they're doing great guns. They're yeah. in Dubai last and week. Can you please tell him to behave himself <laughs> and get in touch with me and have an interview, right? I don't hold Edge. I think it's a great project, right? I, yeah. and Euros is a great interview, interviewee. But what, what you said is like it, the work that you did built a foundation during the ICO and on post ICO you build the house exactly and the foundation was really strong during the um, ICO period so the house will stand exactly and I suppose the, the thing I haven't mentioned yet but it's the starting point of all communication is who is your target audience right and with Etch yes obviously there's the digital community the crypto community I should say we were hired after they'd had their pre-sale, so we were hired very late in the day. But the other target audience is obviously the business community. Yeah. And yeah. there's such HR a strong departments business base. And yeah. departments, very good. Okay, now I want to move this on a little bit. Uh, so what is it that you provide for an ICO? What is it you do in particular, if you could break it down in your few short sentences? Because I want to go into something else as well. Yeah, of course. So... What we are able to do is to maximise the media opportunities that a client might have for their ICO by reaching out to the crypto community and also to mainstream media through writing copy 
issuing press releases, lining up interviews and encouraging awareness for the ICO. Yes, very yeah. good. And then you, like I said earlier, you already have a bank of relationships and contacts that you can turn to, whereas an ICO would have to build those anew. Yes, and yeah. we understand. I, I think the other thing which I would also say is we understand the scene quite well because it is a little bit schizophrenic. Yeah. What I mean by that is you've got some really, really good people in, in that area and then you've got the scammers. And I'm absolutely amazed at the, the sheer brassness. I mean, honestly, the, the amount of scamming that goes on. So we have scammers of all kinds who um, approach clients, who've approached us one-to-one. There's a lot of scamming that goes on, so we are um, we we're aware of that and do our best to alert the client and to avoid time wasting on that okay. front too. And do you, when an ICO approaches you, do you do, do what due diligence do you do in the ICO to check that it is a legitimate one? Well, um, if they're UK based, it's quite straightforward because we can use um, things like Credit Safe, which we use for typical credit ratings for clients. Mm-hmm understand the director's details so um, we worked with live tree adept and you know they had a good credit rating for their initial business which was helpful Um, so we get to know the names of the directors etc to be fair it's really really useful for us to know if they are um, known within the community so people who are associated with pillar is obviously a big tick Yep. Because um, we know that the aims of Pillar are not purely commercial, although they're extremely professional in their approach. So that's a real big tick for us. Um, but just to say, the due diligence is difficult when you're dealing with businesses over, overseas. But generally speaking, I've, find, I've found that um, the people we've dealt with in India, um, Latvia, and Canada have been great. They've been really good. Difficulty is you can't do your due diligence in quite the same way because um, the databases don't stretch that far. So, mm-hmm. to a degree, it's a, it is a bit of a leap of faith, and it's down really to the um, the business model and proposition, and but crucially the the people that we're dealing with because we end up having to have quite a big interface with people. So. Um, obviously, it may seem we only work with people who, who we think we can support. Sure, you know who, who um, you know who are um, willing and open and prepared to listen. And as soon, you know, the red flags are if somebody said, "What's the metric against your activity and fundraising, and where's the proof and evidence?" Then that's the sort of question that suggests that somebody doesn't necessarily understand the essence of marketing. Yeah. So, you know, that's a red flag. But I have to say what's happened so far is people have come to us rather than me reach out to people, which is a bit of, um, you know, something I'd like to change, actually, in the future. I'd like to, I think we're now in a reaching out position. Okay. Well, I think it says something about your reputation that people come to you. And certainly the projects that I know that you've worked on in the past, Livetree, Adept, Pillar, Etch, I consider them all viable, kosher, good projects. And then ultimately it's always, always, always down to the individual investor do their own due diligence check it out even if it's a completely viable project there's no guarantee that it will succeed thank you and then I want to ask you about Twitter 
if I okay. right? Just a few, just a yes. few quick points, yes. right? Because I don't want this to go on for too long, right? And why ask yeah. you about Twitter? So I, so I'm going to go to my Twitter page. Oh, by the way, if anybody wants to contact Famous Publicity, I'll have the link in the description below. Um, that I have said to. When I do these interviews, I don't necessarily, pre I don't prepare anything. Um, me and the person I'm interviewing, we're just having a conversation. So um, Tina doesn't know what I'm about to say, but I have said it to her privately. Right? Is the website doesn't. I have said to her the website does need to be updated, and in time it will, right? It's <laughs> They're just too busy working with their clients, right, to tend to... Well, it's also my, it's my crypto persona, you see, because um, at the moment the world doesn't know I'm in the crypto space. Ah, okay. Well, it's, yeah. I'll have the details in the, in the description below. And, you know, Thank if, you. If, you, if you want to find out, just to check it out, if you have an ICO or something, find out what they do, you can contact them via email um, from their website. And then onto Twitter. So I opened a Twitter account, I think about four weeks ago, and the page is just loading. And I just have some questions. I'm kind of understanding how it works. And like I post about the videos that I do eight o'clock every morning at UK time usually. I post about that. And, um, and then what I don't get is why do other, what happens is people then retweet it so, you know, if I post a video about Restart Energy and I've covered them, they will retweet it and then people into Restart Energy will retweet it and it kind of sped, spreads like tentacles. What I don't understand, Tina, is I will post a video, say, about my next coin or Restart Energy and you'll retweet it or you'll like it. Why would you do that? You've got no connection to it. How does it work? How to use it? <laughs> well, the... It's about, um, to, to Twitter, again, Twitter is quite schizophrenic in that you've got lots of random acts of kindness yes. and lots of, um, at the other end, trolling, you know? Yeah. Now, let's <laughs> touch wood. I've only ever been trolled. I've been trolled properly once, and it was to do with a joke I said about food allergies, and somebody got very upset. But do you know what? It really is this funny thing, Twitter, it's very much of the moment. So the way I look at it is um, Facebook is about what I've done. Mm -hmm. Twitter is what I'm doing now. It's in the now. And, and Pinterest is in the future. But basically, the thing about Twitter is um, it's a really good idea when you start off that people know that you're there because then people like to interact. Right. And the algorithms in Twitter are getting better in that if I interact with you, then you might send out a tweet and it'll come, it'll actually say, in case you missed it, you know, it'll just have a little notification. And that's, oh, great, that's good, Rich is there. And they think that's interesting and I'll retweet it. Um, the clever thing is, it is very much like a little bit of, um, I see it like a little bit of a matrix, the way, the way Twitter works. Um, I've met a lot of I've met a number of people in the London office actually for Twitter, and they are very 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 interesting, very good and supportive. As a as a business, they support Girls Code First, which is an initiative to get more women into coding. So, yes, we know Twitter's can be used for surveillance purposes. They all all of these can. But what I, what's good about Twitter is. If you combine Twitter with live activity or real events like your broadcasts, mm -hmm. then you start getting some traction because you've got events to get out there. And um, your network um, will grow as you 
repeat what you're doing and I'd say interact with people is a good thing. Sometimes it falls on deaf ears, but very often you can get some good feedback and response. Right. Um, so to give you an example, um, the if you're if you want to if you want to get some interaction on Twitter and possibly get a few followers, mm-hmm. then one way to do it is to comment on a TV or radio program, TV in particular, that you that interests you. It might be Question Time. So when Question Time, BBC Question Time is live, um, if you feel passionate about something there, you will find at least 10 people who think the same as you. Um, you can interact with them there and then, and you do actually that's a way to have a conversation with people when people are very feeling very strongly about something. Um, and it's a quite a good way to build up your audience. Um, there's also a way of um, building up your audience with, say, other interests. So, you know, you've got local connections, you've got organisations that you support. And if you go to an event, I hear you're going to an event this evening. Well, do you know what? Sometimes... It's just quite fun if you send a tweet in advance if you're going there saying you're looking forward to meeting everybody and if there's a hashtag for the event, put that in. And you will find that you get better interaction from people. Um, But the way to get interaction, the way to get followers quickly, legitimately, who are good, is to tweet at events and tweet live when you're there, which is a bit of an irony because if you're not careful, you can miss the event because you're so busy tweeting. And, you know, you're not there necessarily in the moment. Um, but they also, also um, video on, on Twitter, is good. they had Periscope and they've changed it now. But I would say for you, um, consider doing some live broadcasts on Twitter. Oh, my gosh. And so, so um, yeah, or posting or posting snippets on, on Twitter. And likewise, LinkedIn's getting very video friendly. So they're all trying to get in on the act. Right. And I like the idea of retweeting and liking as a random act of kindness. It is generally, yes, it is. And well, you're very, it's, you've so, been very kind to me, Tina. <laughs> no, no, I'll have a look. I haven't done very much to No, you there. have. You have. I noticed you click and like, oh, why? she's not connected to this. Why is she liking this? Why is she retweeting this? I mean, I can understand the pillar one, right? That video went live it, this I, morning. But I, yeah, and I think actually that's a very good point because... Um, Social media should be social. Yeah. And don't forget it's social. So even if it's, um, there's nothing worse than seeing a whole load of broadcasts going out from a Twitter feed and sort of suggesting that people should buy things all the time. You want some funny stuff as well. Yes. And, um, and you know, yeah, so Twitter is a lot, of, I think quite a few people don't like Twitter. Um, they don't get it because they, if they don't get much reaction from it, right. um, I can assure you, if you said the wrong thing, you'd get reaction. You really would. Sure. Um, because that's the nature of it. But um, the thing which is quite useful about Twitter is if you have a look at what's trending throughout the day, just dip in, dip out, um, it can actually be quite useful because then you're sort of seeing the news as it happens. Okay. And um, that's actually that's actually helpful. Um, but you know, the funny thing about Twitter is that, it, as I say, it is very there are different sides to it. Um, the media, some of the best accounts are media accounts. So mm. 
I'd say for any client, you want to be on Twitter because that's where journalists are. Most bloggers also promote through Twitter. Um, and also, it's just, it's very good for search. So somebody can search um, within it for certain services. I've actually found a plumber on Twitter who was wow. very good. Very yeah, and it's, it's amazing what you can do. People say, well, plumbers don't need Twitter. No, sorry, it is actually useful. <laughs> very good. Well, look, there's obviously, it seems to me, there's a whole depth of knowledge that you have about Twitter, and not just Twitter, but all the other forms of social media and PR and marketing. Because I know, you know, you, you will get, and taking it back to ICOs and then we need to wrap up, right, is you will get into specialist magazines. So if there's a finance ICO, you'll get it into the finance marketing sector. If it's a medical ICO, you'll get it into the medical marketing sector, as well as the general ICO cryptocurrency sphere. So you do have a lot of expertise that people are buying into, should they and take you on. And one thing I haven't mentioned, which is, I should say, if anyone, if anyone there is running their own ICO, then look at the advice that ICO Bench gives about how they rate ICOs, because the social media is really important. Yeah. And of course, the PR hooks into the social media side of it because you can publicise your articles, etc. But just look at it. Your metrics, um, you know, metrics, um, and this is where Bounty really helps. But um, clearly. It's the number of followers you've got on Twitter. Yes. It's um, also the interaction you give. It's the Telegram followers. Um, just that, that, it's the yeah. active, real followers that you have, not the ones that you buy in. Because I've been approached by ICOs and they just bought them in and I look through and I'm like, these people don't have tweet accounts. They don't have any followers themselves. Like a whole thousand. That's not real engagement. No, exactly. And um, there is... There is a, a tool that you can use that shows how many fake followers you've got, and just to say you're much better off with small, small, good quality following than you are for buying the fakes. Yes. Um, but just to say, it's all it's all part of the mix, and um, that and also these people who are assessing ICOs look at the content and look at the good stuff that's going out and can see what's being said. They actually go as far as to see who's following you. So just to say, um, if it's your ICO. Make sure you've got your business partners following you or those people you're saying that you're partnering with because if they're not following you, then that's actually not doing you a service. <laughs> right, little tips like that that, you're, that you know about, that I have no idea about. Okay, <laughs> Tina, and just again, just let everybody know that if, uh, if you want to contact Famous Publicity uh, for some PR work or something, they're in the description below. And this isn't a sponsored video. I just want to say that I just, uh, I've, I've had contact with Tina before and... Um, I just thought it would be interesting to speak to you and find out what goes on in the background. So thank, thank you, you very so much. much. Thank you it's very, very much. And I look forward to speaking to you soon. If you have any questions or comments, please put them in the description below. I will be tweeting this and and I'll be checking to see if um, Tina likes my tweet about this when I post this or not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure yes. she will. <laughs> all right. And uh, so from uh, Crypto Rich and from Crypto Tina, thank you all very, very much. And keep filling your pockets with crypto profits. This is Crypto Rich and Crypto Tina signing out. All the best. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye.